Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. What's up? Welcome in. It is Sharp Money. Another host for the week, Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm here on Monday. Why not bookend the day or the week with me, huh? Although, my confidence is shot coming into the show. Amal Shah is alongside. Dustin Sweetelson is here as well. Uh, I paid Dustin a nice compliment on Twitter. Uh, it was taken the wrong way, and then he came in and then made fun of my shirt. So I don't know what to do. It's already Friday, and I'm unfocused because I get to go to the Thomas Mack after this for the Summer League, and now I'm just shot in terms of confidence. I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. You'll be all right. You're going to be in your element at the NBA Summer League. Dustin will, will be kind of clamoring to hang out with you based on the amount of conversations you'll be having with people in the know. But then again, people, Dustin will be like, hey, I'm the guy that bugs you via text to come on the show. That's It's literally like, hey, you know that guy whose text you've never answered in three years, but he <laughs> still sends them once a month? That's me. Yep. By the way, you could probably send Jeff Van Gundy a text now. I think he's available. Uh, yeah, you know what? He normally tells me no. <laughs> at least he, he responds. Apolog- he does apologize every time. He says, no, sorry, can't. Yeah, that's. I mean, he's good. not. He doesn't really mean the sorry. No. Why? Why what, what? Why say sorry if you're not sorry? I mean, it's. A, I guess it's a compliment. Like it's a nice thing to say. You know, like I texted somebody. Uh, I'm hoping they're not lying because I was like, "Hey, are you going to be out for summer league? I'd love to have you on." They were like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not there. Sorry." You imagine if I walked up and like saw the person there? It's like, wait, you told me you were in town. Well, Amala, you're a big like motivational speaker type. I thought you'd be against apologizing. I know there's a lot of those those in that world that are like, you don't ever apologize. No, I didn't say I didn't say you should apologize. I'm saying you shouldn't apologize because it's insincere. I'm actually one of the first people, if I'm wrong, I immediately say, hey, I apologize or I'm wrong or I'm right. sorry. I, there, I, there's no reason to be stubborn, but to me, it's disingenuous. He doesn't want to come on the show. He should just say, listen, I'm a former NBA coach. I don't know who the hell you are, so I don't really have time to do your show. Yeah, and it's like with women, like, this is why, like, guest booking for me is, like, like easy because not easy but reaching i don't mind reaching out and getting denied because women deny me all the time but like just say you're never gonna say yes to this and i will leave you alone but as long as you keep it open that not this time i'm gonna keep checking in on you jeff van gundy just to finish up the thought on this so that's why i always think people should pull the band-aid off just say hey listen i'm not gonna do it you're never gonna hear from again yeah I'd, i'd rather be at the bottom of the ocean right now trying to swim up than be on your show just say that 
I'll pay Ju- I'll pay Justin another compliment. This is my third compliment for you today. You did right? not. Co- by the way, you did not compliment me on the internet. Ha, ha, yes, did I did. What did so, you say? somebody. So we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, uh, Keith uh, Irizarry. Thank you on a little bit later. And he said, "I'm gonna chat with the great Dustin Swedelson." And I said, "Great is an understatement." How oh, is that not a compliment? Understatement. Yeah. What did you think he said? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I read it the wrong way. I thought yeah, he you said overstate. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Said great all, that, is a, that is a lie. You want to know why? Who have you ever heard someone say, that's an overstatement? Right. That's Nobody very true. Nobody ever says that. I, I that's thought, a snap call on that one. Nice I, try, I read Wilson. it. I was like, oh, JVT's kind of knocking no, me no, down. No. no. You know what it was? And in fact, I was going to pay another compliment because he was saying this. I will say, because, you know, the broadcast background, that's what I came up with, with school for all that kind of stuff. You are an awesome guest booker and having no shame, essentially, and being willing to be denied is a very strong, is a big strength. I sucked at guest booking because I would get irritated when people would tell me no, and I was terrible at doing it. You're wonderful at it. So, yeah, I was just, just paying you a compliment. It's just like, it's do you want to take back your comment about my shirt? Well, no, you, your shirt <laughs> lost its collar. I don't know where it went. This the is a good look. Because he got annoyed because because I said to JVT, the collar, look, it looks sharp. And he's like, oh, whatever. And You're a little white thing away from being a priest. That's even That's better. Very true. That way we'll get honesty out of the guest. <laughs> very true. Now, actually, it's funny because now I'm rethinking everything. Before I left for work today, my wife was like, are you going to bring a change of clothes? Oh. And I was like, no, why? I, I'm just going straight there. And she was like, oh, I just want you to be comfortable. You know, that's maybe she was like, but I don't, t- I only met your wife once, but I don't take her as like the, the subtle, like, I think she would just say the shirt looks dumb. Yeah. Well, that's maybe true. she's also over complimentary. Like she's very like, you know, you're so handsome. You're the most handsome. I'm like, no, I'm not. We know that's not we true. Both settled. It's okay. No, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> I don't you, think you I gotta give her, You got to give her credit. She <laughs> says it. So she, she's believing in it. You should just say thank you. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Accept See, it. Okay. There we go. Now my confidence is back. My confidence is back. Much like, by the way, the confidence won Britney Spears to run on Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> Whoa. Did you, did you see the video came out? No, I haven't I, seen the video. So the video is now out. TMZ's great. The TMZ, TMZ gets to the bottom <laughs> of everything. better than the FBI. Right. They find everything. Uh, I'm, it's, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't find the guy in the knoll. Uh, <laughs> but, like, they, so the video's out. Britney Spears runs up on Victor Wembanyama. She goes to tap him on the shoulder. Security guard, very agile, by the way, smacks the hand of Britney Spears perfectly to where Spears' own hand comes back and hits herself in the face. Oh, pro move. Yes, it was brilliant. So... I'm looking at it, and I was like, look, this is my only takeaway. You know if that was me or Dustin or Amal running up on Brittany to tap her on the shoulder, we're getting laid out in like five seconds. Don't touch Vic, all right? He's a treasure. 100% accurate. Right? She, and she knows it. She's used to having private security around her all the time. She was hitting Wemby one more time. <laughs> that's pretty good i think she's just trying to get back in the spotlight did anybody even talk about britney spears no, no, before no. this you're not on the internet enough no yeah you know yeah she's she's been a thing in, for a while she's been in the conversation for a while because like she's being held hostage by her family essentially oh fair enough yeah, yeah i'm not exactly paying attention to <laughs> yeah you know what spears that's here. a good point i saw a lot of like she just wants the attention of mike where have you been for the last five years yeah like, Wait, that's no, been no. one of the biggest topics on the internet for, like, no, five a while. Years, that I know. I'm talking about, like, a recency, right? Like, you've got to stay relevant in this I mean, five industry. years is pretty recent. She's still posting videos, like, on the daily that get millions of views. Well, you know, the that's my favorite conspiracy theory. You know that, right? What? So people think that she's actually not around anymore and that it's a body double. And then if you watch some of her videos of her dancing, you can tell, like, it's kind of, like, on a green screen sometimes. And people are like, she's not really her. Why? I don't know if I buy that one. I have to look more into it. I definitely buy the Paul McCartney and Avril Lavigne body double stuff. Yeah, Avril Lavigne was a good one, yeah. Yeah. 
RIP, maybe. Yeah, RIP very early. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. Although Avril Lavigne, I don't know if her estate is as powerful where you would need to create a body double to keep that thing going. You know what I mean? No, but it, it was when she was like at her peak. Avril Lavigne died. That's a good point. Yeah. It was like we, no, have, we, that's we the, can't lose that, this. That's the rumors that it's a body double. She, she's she's dead. She's definitely dead. <laughs> I, no, I, listen, I it's a different person. I couldn't even tell you who Avril Lavigne was if she walked into this room right now. Why do you have to make everything so complicated? Right. I'm not. I'm just I was waiting. For, I was looking for it. Yep, there it is. Uh, not complicated. The fact that later today, Summer League, of course, is going to be started here in the next few hours. And we are going to see Victor Wembanyama in his debut. I'm very excited for this. I don't know how you guys feel, uh, but you see our set down at the Summer League. We're going to be down there throughout the entire time. I'll be there as many minutes as possible, not because I want to avoid my family, but because I love being down there uh, at the Summer League. We're going to talk to Kelly Bidlin a little bit later. He's going to be down setting the scene for it. I'll ask you just generally, Amal, care? Don't care about the Summer League? It has grown. I am a Vegas native, so it holds a little bit of a different, like, special feeling for me, because it's been out here all the time since, what, I think 2005 is when it started up, and all 30 teams uh, started to go out there somewhat recently. How do you feel about Summer League overall? So, uh, first few years I was here, actually, before I was at Visa, and I used to go, get credentialed, then go, and it was, I enjoyed it because, to me, you know, I'm a big college basketball guy, so yep. you get to see a lot of players at the collegiate level, unfortunately, they won't make it to an NBA roster. I think it's fantastic for the fans. You're playing in a large arena. What does Thomas and Mac hold? 15,000 plus? It's a little bit more than that. Yeah. Although it doesn't seem like it when the Rebels play. Right. Yeah. But um, the point is, so many people come in from a variety of different places. They probably will never get an opportunity in the NBA to see someone like Scoot Henderson play. Now you have an opportunity to see these guys in person. I think it's a ton of fun. And here's the best thing. I know the Lakers will always play at the Thomas and Mack court, but there's the Cox Pavilion right next door, which is like the equivalent of a high school gymnasium. Holds like three, 4,000 people. You get to see games like almost like you're sitting at an NBA level. I know it's not the NBA. It's not some of the players that you might be used to. But some of these guys are players that are going to become superstars and so many times, whether it's cost prohibitive, lack of access, excuse me, access or anything else, it allows people an opportunity to go see players that they may not normally be able to see. Right. Or not even superstars, but just like generally good role players. Like, for example, I'll always remember watching a bunch of games of Bruce Brown when he was at the Detroit Pistons in the summer league. And sure enough, he just got paid $42 million by the Indiana Pacers and was a key cog in closing out a championship for the Denver Nuggets. So it is cool. It's also a betting event. You know, you can bet futures, of course, up. You can win the summer league championship. Top four teams with the best records will go into it. Best, you know, best of tournament, uh, only four teams, and you go from there. Um, there's game lines every single night. That started on Monday with Salt Lake in California. Now, from a betting standpoint, it's really information-based. Like, I think we talked about this the other day. I can't remember who I mentioned with. I think it was with Stormy. I'll probably bet, like, four or five games, summer league total, because it's only on, hey, you got a report before the book's adjusted. For example, Chet Holmgren's not playing today, right, right. so let's get on this number before it flips the other direction. But I will say that if you're going out there and be like, all right, I'm going to break this down, three-point shooter percentages from all these stats, I think this <laughs> team's better, let's go. I feel like it's a little foolhardy if you're, if you're breaking down statistics and going game to game in the summer league for sure. I think in that 10-second 10 10 segment, you just broke down the NBA summer league from a betting perspective <laughs> perfectly. Yeah, You're absolutely right. You go there so many times, guys will be warming up, and then all of a sudden they don't end up playing, and I think that's an advantage if you're out there. You can make that wager. But I think other than that, it's really difficult to bet on this simply because – it's just somewhat of a crapshoot, right? You've got a bunch of guys that have been practicing together for about a week. They may have played in uh, Sacramento together or in Utah, yep. and that's about it. So you don't know what kind of consistency and opportunities are going to present themselves. One other thing to pay attention to, if you get a good showing from a top five pick, he might not end up playing the next couple of games. Palomar Carroll last year, yes. first two games, 40 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists in the first two games, done. Yeah. Like, oh, you're awesome. Okay. 
We don't need to play you anymore. You're perfectly fine, and we're all done risking you to play in some meaningless games over the Thomas and Mac. Quick note, because I know we didn't get to this on Monday, and there's been an expansion. How about this? So we had 10 games both in California uh, and in Utah through the first few days, and actually 12 total. The first 10, Amal, all all 10 games went over the total because those totals were really low to start. So day one, the average total was 166.9. The average total through day three got up to 185. So there were some betting adjustments and you're, it's all of a guessing game, even for the guys who are setting some of these numbers. But here's the thing. Here's the argument I would make. I take a guy like you, for example, the, how closely you follow the NBA, whether mm-hmm. it's a summer league, the off season, the regular season. I, to me, Jeff Sherman, you know, we've known him for a long time. Jeff does a tremendous job with NBA odds, but I don't think there's too many people that have a pulse on from a betting standpoint, what's going on between the summer league and the off season and everything else as closely as you do. Mm. So to me, if you sit there and say this number's off, I think there's an advantage. And if somebody else follows it as closely as you do, I think they can take advantage of that. To a certain extent, there's speculation and just conjecture in terms of the numbers they're putting up. They're not an exact science. This is not a huge sample size that they're working with. Well, with that, let's head down to the Thomas & Mack Center. Justin Termini, Sirius XM NBA radio host, going to join us on the other side, live from our set out there at the Thomas & Mack. Uh, We'll talk a little Summer League. We'll also get the latest on what he thinks is going on with Damian Lillard, who is, I think, on scorched earth trying to get his way to Miami. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. No, Patrick Maher, just taking a couple of days off. I'm filling in for today. Amal Shaw is alongside. Dustin Sweetelson's here. And let's head out to the NBA Summer League at the Thomas and Mack Center. Nice enough to give us some time and uh, sit at our set. Justin Termini, of course, Sirius XM NBA Radio. You can hear him and Eddie Johnson on NBA Today. Uh, thank you a lot for the time, Justin. Really appreciate it. I know you'd rather probably talk to Dustin, but I'm going to take a couple of minutes from you. Uh, so I wanted to start with this. 
Damian Lillard. So we're starting to see a little bit more of the tact that Damian Lillard and his people are taking to try to get his way to Miami. What, what do you make of just the route that he's taken here? Agent Colin team saying he's going to be unhappy, threatening that he's not going to report to camp. Uh, what do you make of just the, the route that they've taken to try to get his way into Miami? Well, I think it's disgusting, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the way he's going about it is completely unprofessional, and it's shocking because we've seen this stuff from, like, James Harden in the past, Anthony Davis in the past. Uh, I didn't think we could see this from Damian Lillard, the guy who claimed to be loyal. And again, I don't have an issue if you're going to demand a trade. I mean, I prefer guys not do it. I think it's a problem around the league. But then to dwindle it down where you're just going to one team, uh, that's the part that's a little surprising. I would call his bluff because from what I know of Damian Lillard, I don't think he'd get traded to, say, a Philadelphia, a Boston, another team that's pretty competitive and just completely shut it down. So I, it's a little bit disturbing, and I would call his bluff. Justin, I love the way you broke that down. Aaron Goodwin, who represents him, I'm looking right now. He doesn't have a ton of players that he represents in the NBA. Currently four players, Lillard, DeRozan, Mat Matisse Thibel, and Gary Payton. Is this a situation where Portland, as you alluded to, can call his bluff because they don't control so many other players who could potentially impact you in the future with free agency and you just do what's in the best interest of the team? That's a really good point that uh, it's not like he has a ton of different guys where he can come back and burn you. On yeah. the other end, you would think Aaron Goodwin is going to go all in because he's going to want to show other players that he can get what he wants for his main client, right? And if Damian Lillard's demanding to get down to Miami, you'd assume that that's why he's pulling out all the punches. He gets that done, and then other guys say, okay, he's a guy like Rich Paul, Rich Paul with Anthony Davis. I want to play with the Lakers. He makes sure Boston doesn't trade for him, uh, and that looks really good on his resume. Uh, so I think it kind of works both ways. Justin, to, just to follow up on that, Bradley Beal had a no trade clause in Washington. Is this something you would expect to see in the future with superstars? Because it shocked me that a guy like Bradley Beal had a no trade clause, but so many other players like a Damon Lillard and other guys don't have it. But I'm surprised by how much these teams acquiesce to the players' demands in a trade. I'd be like, listen, buddy, you're lucky we're not shipping you off to Greece. Yeah, and, you know, the, so the fun, a couple of different things. Who cares about a no-trade clause? You might as well have given Damian Lillard a no-trade clause because yeah. ultimately he probably is going to get what he wants, right? Uh, Same yeah. thing with Anthony Davis, although you got a little bit more back for Anthony Davis because it was Lonzo Ball who went healthy is really good. It was Brandon Ingram. It was Josh Hart. It was draft picks. So they actually still got a lot, but you don't necessarily need a no-trade clause because you can just say, all right, I'm going to shut it down and I'm not going to play. Uh, and if guys want to control their own destiny, I don't even know if they necessarily need it, unfortunately. So we're looking at the odds on our preview scheme right here in terms of the odds that are up there. Where will he play his next regular season minute? Heat are the odds on favorite. Large one minus 275 is as high as minus 300. The Celtics are plus 550. You get the trailblazers there and the rest of these teams. Uh, I'll ask you, you know, we, we, a lot of conversation about the package that the Heat have to offer and that it's not that strong. But looking around until you get further down the board, like obviously San Antonio, Utah, none of these packages are really that attractive, right? Yeah, I mean, and Tyler Hero is not an attractive uh, yep. package. I think a guy, uh, I think 52 players last year, I looked up the stat, averaged at least 20 points on 43% on shooting last year. He was one of them, so that's like middle of the pack. And then go down and, like, look at the recent guys that were dealt. Like, for example, Paul George wants out of Indiana. Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, both those guys all-stars after that. And Sabonis, a guy uh, that was capable of finishing in the top five for MVP this past year. You look at Anthony Davis, we already talked about it. That return is Brandon Ingram. 
Ingram. So these guys, you're, you're getting, in, you know, DeMar DeRozan for mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard. Tyler Hero is just not on that level. And to me, he'd be one of the worst centerpieces we've seen in a while that goes for a guy the caliber of Damian Lillard. So am I wrong in thinking that Philly, shouldn't Philly be a little bit more, I don't know. I feel like this is a big summer for them, right? Because if the smoke clears and they don't have Damian Lillard and James Harden's gone, and then Joel Embiid's looking around and going, all right, I've got like what, Terrence Mann or whatever we get back for Harden. Like, I feel like this is pretty big for Philly to kind of make this happen because Embiid could look around and go, dude, I'm done too. I want out of here. I agree, because I think the biggest part of the storyline there with Harden wanting a deal isn't that Harden wants out. The biggest storyline is what does it mean to why is he going to continue to put up with this? He sees Jokic win the championship pass this past year. So now the pressure's on him. He wins at MVP. He's 29. His body probably says he's 34, 35. He can't afford to waste another year. He did it a couple of years ago with the Simmons, uh, the Simmons uh, debacle. So he's got to win right now. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of teams elsewhere are maybe holding out. The Knicks, the Celtics, even though I don't think Daryl Morey's going to trade him within conference uh, to either the Knicks or the Celtics, uh, especially within the division and marquee uh, rivals. But I think a lot of teams holding out for the package with those guys. Uh, and I would, like I said, I would call, if I'm the Celtics, I call his bluff. If I'm Philadelphia, I call his bluff. What's Damian Lillard going to ruin 11 years of the good equity that he's built up in regards to his reputation and pull a James Harden coming out of shape? I don't see it. I think he loves the game too much. I think he's too much a professional. So if I'm Philadelphia, another team, I'd call the bluff and they can certainly offer more than Tyler Hero. First of all, I love your breakdown of Damian Lillard there. I'm sick of talking about James Harden, so if you want to talk about him, you're free to at your own <laughs> volition. But I want to ask you about the Bradley Beal move in the Phoenix Suns. Does this make them better in the Western Conference enough to get over the hump, in your opinion? I mean, I think you look at what happened in Denver. They take a little bit of a step back because they lose Bruce Brown. And I think Phoenix goes up a little bit. But, I mean, they got to still add some defense. The shooting is great. Even the guys coming off the bench can shoot the three. They got to be able to defend. They let Lockdale go. a couple of weeks ago, Landale, uh, Jock Landale, uh, he did a better job, I think, than Aiton on on Jokic there in that second round series. So I still think they got to get a little bit bigger. They got to be able to combat Jokic, who's the best player in the sport. Uh, but certainly they're in the mix. I mean, if you want to say there's seven, eight teams that are capable of winning the championship, I think last year told us that that's more than maybe an NBA history with a lot of parity. So they're one of the teams in the mix. I wouldn't call them the favorite, but yes, offensively they're as explosive as any team in recent memory. Justin, one of the big narratives coming out of free agency was, of course, that the Lakers were winners and it seems like every single time the Lakers are winners, right? But then we have to wait for them outside of the bubble to really get it done. Isn't there, there I think there's, you know, there's universe which both are true, right? The Lakers are winners in this free agency class because I think they did a good job, but the gap, did they close it enough between them, Denver, Phoenix? Like, I like what they did, but I don't know if they're really leaps and bounds better than the team that lost to Denver in four. No, neither do I, but I also think that they were the team that got one, the best contract this, this yeah. year with Austin Reeves in the offseason. I mean, I thought he could go near $100 million and a team would maybe take a shot on him. No, no team did, so they benefited from that. I'm not sure if I'm crazy about the Rui Hachimura deal, although he did look good in the postseason. I will say this. I thought they actually played Denver, even though they got swept better than almost any other team that we saw in the playoffs. Uh, the, the point differential was the, the least amount uh, compared to, like, uh, Minnesota and Phoenix and Miami, so They played them really close. They were four tight games. Uh, And I think that defensively, that's a really good team that just got a little bit better defensively as well. And I like the addition of like Jackson Hayes, who gives them some size to go up against Jokic. So I think the the Lakers are in a really good spot if they can stay healthy with LeBron at his age and Anthony Davis hurt every five minutes. Justin, I'm going to put you in place of where Bob Myers was and where Mike Dunleavy Jr. is now. First of all, do you agree with the four for 100 on Draymond Green? And then the second question is, Clay next year will be 34 years old, will be a free agent. 
what type of deal would you potentially give him as he becomes a free agent? Yeah, well, I thought with the uh, the contract there for Draymond, they were all going to run out at the same time and right have it match uh, with with Curry's three more years left. They give Draymond, I think, one extra. Uh, I, I I think that you almost need to like reboot prior to getting to the end of it. As a fan, I'd like to see it. As an organization, I'm not sure if that's the way I would run it uh, based off, like we saw what happened with the Celtics after they let the Bird ever run out, right? They got no compensation for him, yeah. Mikhail Robert Parrish, and it took them 21 years to get back to the NBA Finals. Uh, then you saw the second time where they trade Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, prior to them hitting the end so they could reboot their franchise. I would like to see that if I'm a fan of Golden State. As a fan of the sport, I like the fact that they're allowing them to play it out, though, and end their careers together. And I also think that they have a shot. I mean, it's not a great shot, but let's not forget, two years ago, they won an NBA championship. They got a lot smarter with Chris Paul in place of Jordan Poole. They're going to be healthier this year. You'd assume that Andrew Wiggins will be back after missing 40-plus games because of his family. Steph missed a bunch of games because of injury, so they do have a shot. Last uh, 90 seconds here with Justin Termini. Boston, how much worse did they get? The, the bench doesn't really look as strong. Grant Williams is now gone. What do you make of Boston's transition here into the next season? Yeah, bench looks worse and the toughness looks worse. On paper, the starting five looks a lot better, but I think for a team that people could accuse of maybe having a little bit of a softness to them, you lose Grant Williams, had a chip on his shoulder, Marcus Smart was their identity. Uh, so I think they take a minor step back if Brad Stevens isn't done yet. Yeah. Again, that's Justin Termini. NBA Today with Eddie Johnson is the show. And remember, at SiriusXM, you can hear live coverage from Las Vegas throughout Summer League, including live games every night. The only place on radio for 24-7 coverage of the NBA, SiriusXM, NBA radio justin we appreciate some time today thank you very much all right fellas appreciate it tell patrick when he comes back in about a month i said hello <laughs> thank <laughs> you, you got it we'll appreciate do. it i like the tone too i do really too rough huh yeah i just like his style and i like the fact that he's very opinionated and expresses the opinion so many times you get people that are a little bit on the fence or passive about it yeah of course it's a it, dude it's a big off season man we had a lot of player movement we still have one really big domino to fall a secondary domino that you don't want to talk about and james harden <laughs> as well and there's ripple effects from that kind of stuff including the team i'm fascinated by philly and what it means for them okay so present to me a situation where you like him staying there or you like them moving on from him. if you get if you can get damian lillard Everything changes for me, but I don't know if they're going to be able to acquire him. Yeah. I would give up Tyrese Maxey to get Dame right now, even though I love Tyrese. We'll have to hit on that a little bit later. When we come back, though, we have a lot left to get to, including Major League Baseball. Big injury yesterday to a guy who's a massive favorite to win an award. We'll discuss. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. So it's always football season here at VSIN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide. Our NFL betting guide is going to help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with in-depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. You can become a VSIN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and get your digital copy of the VSIN NFL betting guide or take advantage of our summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. You can sign up today at VSIN dot com slash subscribe inching closer to the national football league season man it's right around the corner this is the, this is the offseason stuff that i love quarterback rankings by tier let's bring in will brinson cbs sports senior nfl writer follow him on twitter at will brinson who uh, did release his 2023 nfl quarterback tiers all right will so actually before we get to the actual like thing itself so what's the process here for you how do you do this is it statistically based is it you know what this is just how i feel about certain dudes what is the process of setting this thing up in terms of your quarterback tiers by the way uh shout out to my hair i'm at the i've been going to the drew densick uh, school of um yeah i 
Looks pretty nice. School, school. Kind no, of volume. Sure. No, yeah. I'm getting Drew's my boy. I love. I wish I had hair as good as he does. He's the only guy I know on uh, in the gambling space that's better hair than me. Um, I can't. I can't. Um, anyway, um, a little self indulgence indulgence there. So on the process here, um, I took out a dartboard. Nice. And I, no, I'm just kidding. Um, what, what I tried to do. So Jason Lockenfora, my, my buddy um, who who you know, worked with at CBS at CBS for years, did this article the last two years, and then. Um, Long story short, I took it over and I sort of, I mean, like my whole thing is I want to tear out these players, these quarterbacks in a way that like, I don't want to rank them one through 32, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't think that's fair. Like, you know, for instance, Kyler Murray, who I had in tier six and I'm catching heat from, and Kyler is apparently seeing this, which is great because (laughs) it was tweeted out of context with just the first graphic that our social team put up on Instagram like Kyler Murray is in the, is in the, is in the category with Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think Sam Howell is as good as Kyler Murray? No. I mean, I think Sam Howell, but, but like the category is titled no clue, man. Cause I don't know <laughs> if Kyler Murray is going to play in week one. I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play this year. I think it's entirely possible that Arizona Cardinals are in full tank mode and that they will not want to play Kyler at the risk of him suffering an injury and them being forced to, or him being unable to pass a physical at the end, his exit physical at the end of the year. And then the Cardinals being stuck holding him instead of moving on and drafting Caleb Williams or Drake may with their, one of their two first round picks because they're getting Houston's first round pick next year. So I can't put Kyler as a tier three guy. If he's not going to play this year, that's where he'd be if he was healthy because he's upside with question marks, right? People are big mad that Daniel Jones is in tier three and Dak Prescott's in tier four. I understand that Dak has a way better resume than Daniel Jones, but Dak just led the league interceptions. Dak is lost Kellen Moore for Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy is a quote out there guys this off season where he said, Kellen's trying to light up the scoreboard. I'm trying to run the damn ball. So I get my defense off the field. It's like, you just said you want to score less in football. Like, I mean, do you, do you feel better about Dak's season in 2023 based on that and based on what the Cowboys are doing? I don't. And I think we saw Josh, look, people have had Josh Allen's in tier one. Josh Allen had a lot of turnovers last year, led the league in turnovers. Daniel Jones had like, I think like one of the lowest totals of interceptions of all starting quarterbacks. Brian Dable's a big factor there. I think, I think Daniel Jones, given his pedigree, even where he was picked his success in college and how he played last year and all the trash offensive coordinators he's had before this with Mike Kafka and, and Brian Dable there. I think there's a lot of upside built into Daniel Jones. I don't know that Dak Prescott has much upside left. I think we've probably seen Dak Prescott ceiling. Now his ceiling is a playoff caliber quarterback who could maybe get hot and make a run, but I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that to me is the key that tier four, those guys are who, or is it, you know, the Diddy, RIP Diddy Green. They are who we thought they were. We know who they are. First of all, Will, this is the first time I've seen a list that I agree with this much. Patrick Maher and I broke down the top seven quarterbacks Thank a you. week ago. We had the same seven guys you had on there. The only one I objected to, and you broke it down very well right now, was Daniel Jones a little bit. But I want to ask you more specifically about Derek Carr and Desmond Ritter. I love the fact that you've got Desmond Ritter at tier six. And the reason why I say that is, Explain to me all this affinity for the Atlanta Falcons when Desmond Ritter's their quarterback. To me, this guy looks like he's going to be holding a clipboard, stealing money like Chase Daniels over his career. And I think Derek Carr, even though he's just kind of a guy, I think with that Saints defense that allowed less than 20 points in nine of their last 10 games should be the prohibitive favorite to win this division. Now, (laughs) 
I, I agree with the quarterback aspect of that. Now let's bear in mind that I am blocked by the entire car family on Twitter. So like Derek, <laughs> David, even Darren, but you didn't know there's a Darren car. He's blocked me too. From what I understand um, out here, that's not the biggest accomplishment. We'll just say, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess that's true. I forgot. I'm talking to a Vegas, Vegas. Sorry. Yeah. You guys are in Vegas. Yeah. All right. You know what? I'm like, I'm like a $10 craps table out of Vegas. Okay. Like, like, you know, Actually, they're like hard to find these days. Yeah, that's true. You know, the blackjack table, I guess, hard to find too. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, like everyone's blocked by the cards. We've been blocked or unblocked. The point being is, you know, like they are. That'll be interesting. I, I'm glad that I'm glad for his sake he went to New Orleans and not to the Jets. Um, I like the Falcons this year. I think I, I think I'm starting to come around. Maybe the Panthers even more than the Falcons. But I was sort of sort of an early adopter with Atlanta, um, just because to me, I think you can paint a lot of similarities if it works out right to them being sort of Titans light mm -hmm. in the NFC South, a weakened division, Tom Brady now gone sort of like, you know, Peyton Manning leaves and, and obviously he left a while ago, but you know, like there's, yeah. there's a void, there's a power void there in the NFC South with Tom Brady gone and drew Brees now gone. Of course um, the, you know, this is anyone's division. Like I think everybody's writing the bucks off. Pete Prisco was out there at camp and said that he thinks Baker looks good. And the offensive line is better than people expect. Um, B. John Robinson. Kyle Pitts, I have faith in this offense. You know, they brought back uh, Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom. They signed. I, I if they can be a Titans light and steal some wins with a really, really easy schedule, I think they can pull it off. I don't trust the Saints coaching staff. I know there's a lot of holdover from Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton is sort of drifted into where he's been criminally underrated because people are like, ah, oh, Pete Carmichael's there. He'll just figure it out. It's like, no, no, no man, Sean Payton's a really good coach. That's why Russ is where he is. Um, but yeah, cars, a big upgrade for them. I just don't know that I trust the saints entirely. I would rather have the Panthers or the Falcons at the price that they've got to win the division. I think one of, for me, one of the surprising faces uh, on the graphic that we threw up there, and, and it ties into a lot of what we've seen from the offseason in terms of uh, popular wagers, uh, just a, a lot of opinions. Justin Fields in the third tier, what, what do you make? Because obviously I think when you look at some of the numbers, the weakness would be the passing game, but he's like a really popular vet to win MVP as well. Uh, why Justin Fields so high? Well, I think part of it is with these MVP markets after Mahomes and Lamar won it back to back at like 50 plus to 50 to one plus and Mahomes, they're both around 75 and got peppered. Yep. I think these markets have been shrunk so much that it's a lot like outrights in golf or first round leaders in golf. Well, for probably outrights is probably a better example. It is, it's hard to find like, you know, you used to be like, all right, I'll take this guy 40, like max home of 45, 50 to one. Right. And he could win the tournament had win equity. Um, there's not a lot of equity MVP equity out there. And Justin Fields is that's probably why I think he's popular. Uh, he's an electric player. The bears improved their, their um, offensive line. Of course, they improved the pass catchers getting DJ Moore. the chase Claypool thing that goes flies way under the radar. Like they burned him like the first pick in the second round of chase yeah. Claypool. I think the thing for me with the bears that people are sort of forgetting, and this is like a weird psychological thing. People are like, ah, oh, you know, they picked ninth. They weren't that bad. No, they traded down. Right. They were the worst team in football. They stink. They added off ball linebackers, which is really key for Matthew Flores' defense. I think they'll be much improved on both sides of the ball. I think that there's a chance. There's definitely a path. They win that division. Um, but you, you have to win your division and you have to be a 10 plus win team for Justin Fields to get that MVP. And I understand the, the number is intriguing. I would much rather bet Matthew Stafford yep. at like 50 to one than Justin Fields. Like he fits the profile of somebody who would win MVP, who would be awarded MVP. If the Rams have a great season, shout out to uh, 
homage oh, with like the, uh, the the NFL Jam T-shirt, by the way. But like, I, I would rather bet Stafford to win MVP than uh, Fields. But there's no way I couldn't put Fields in tier three as an upside guy. Clearly, he's got it. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you the unprofessional question of Can you give us ten more minutes after this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, right, it's cool. not unprofessional. Sure. Okay. Sorry. I, I quietly, I very, I'm, I don't hate it, but it's always like, uh, yeah, sure. No, I feel no, no, pressure no, no. to I, say I, yes. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the, I mean, my buddy car is going to have to deal with me. I, I told him like, <laughs> roll over to his house and have a cocktail. Uh, no, yeah, I can tell you, yeah, look, you guys are promoting my column. So I have no go. problem doing it. All right. Yeah. I like it. All right. Last 60 seconds really quickly. Is everybody crazy thinking that the lions are actually going to win this division and be an odds on favorite to get to the playoffs? So we have this, um, we have this running joke. I did, I had to do all the, like the win, the win, to win loss totals for all the teams. Um, we call it the Brinson model. It's just me picking wins and losses. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to have the lines of the Jags mi- missing uh, the playoffs for not winning the division. And I think the schedule's too good. Uh, the the number's kind of crazy, right? The Jags are like minus 150 and the Lions are plus 130. The Vikings is like the biggest red flag in the history of red flags that the, they just want the division. They have everybody coming back, basically a good coaching staff and three to one. Um, I think the Lions probably win it, but I'm not betting it because it's it's Detroit, man. Rebuilding yep. since 1935, as Adam Shine likes yep. to say. <laughs> restore the roar. It's kind of been restored. All right, Will's going to stick around. We're going to talk a little bit more about him. He brought up the Jaguars. I have an interesting long shot bet that I want to throw at him about Jacksonville when we return here on Sharp Money. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Download the DraftKings app today. New customers can bet $5, get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Use promo code VSIN, V-S-I-N, when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Continuing on our conversation with Will Brinson, CBS Sports Senior NFL writer at Will Brinson up on Twitter. All right, so I, I teased to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence uh, after a really strong year in your second tier of quarterbacks. So am I crazy to think, right? Because a lot of these years, Will, we'll get some of these teams that play a little bit above their skis, take advantage maybe of a somewhat soft schedule. 12th easiest schedule in the NFL by projected win totals. Is it insane to look at something like, I don't know, one seed in the AFC and look at Jacksonville and think that's a potential? They're not going to be as good as a normal one seed, but almost like the Tennessee Titans a few years ago where they went like, what, 12 and four, and every number was screaming at you like they're not this freaking good, and yet there they were. Could Jacksonville pull something like that off with Trevor Lawrence continuing his growth? It's not, it's not crazy. Um, I'm probably not supposed to, I, mean, I won't mention the, the network, but like my buddy, Nick Costos, uh, I was, I was uh, hosting with him on a radio show mm-hmm. and um, he was like, I think Jaguars can win 15 games. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then, like, then you start to kind of look at him. Like, uh, I've made fun of him for like five minutes about it. And I was like, you start to look at him. I'm like, Oh my God, if they went 15, he's going to throw this in my face for like, <laughs> like a year. It's not crazy. And I think, um, so like last year I coined it for like, it was like, do you, I mean, ask people like, do you know who the Jaguars coaches? They're like, Doug Peterson. I was like, no, it's numb. They're like, what are you talking about? It's like not urban Meyer. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> like whoever it like it, like urban Meyer was the single worst head coaching hire in the history of professional football without question, probably professional sports. And like, I, I haven't like done like an article on this or anything, but you know, we've done like a, you know, drinking beers at the bar and like deep dive in like, all right, like who's worse. And like, I mean, good luck. Finding somebody who's worse. Trevor Lawrence was considered correctly, in my opinion, a generational talent along on the pedestal with Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and John Elway. Those are the only other three guys where it's like that is a can't miss quarterback prospect. And ended up being that, you know, how luck worked out is a whole different thing. Blame Ryan Grayson. Lawrence was up there, and people gave up on him after one year when he was coached by the, when he was involved in the most dysfunctional coaching hire in the history of professional sports, Doug Peterson, who again, like a super bowl winning coach, very good coach, just, and like, I'm not trying to like downplay Doug Peterson. You're just, but just, just professional right. <laughs> comes in and immediately you could see, and you could see it in Trevor Lawrence's rookie year when he would have flashes. Like I watched him beat the crap out of NC state a lot. When he played at Clemson, he was, he is a generational talent. And the idea that like, it's like, we'll just give up on Trevor Lawrence because you know, he had a bad rookie year. That's a red shirt season. And he showed last year, uh, I mean, like the dude can make all the throws. He can run a, an NFL offense. Now he's got Calvin Ridley coming in. Um, the Cam Robinson thing stinks, but you know, they've, they've done a good job of sort of building around that. Doug Peterson knows how to coach up an offensive line. There, there is a Pete Briscoe and I were talking about this. Um, he did his top 100 and I was like, we did a podcast. It's like, how high do you think Trevor Lawrence could be? Uh, he definitely said top 10, maybe top five next year. Trevor Lawrence could win MVP this year. I, I wish he was above 25 to one. I don't mm-hmm. think you can bet it at 15 to one. It's, again, like the, the market's just kind of weird. It's just dumb at this point, but like he can easily win MVP. He is that good of a player. He has a legitimate coaching staff. There is talent around him and sort of like the lions were like, well, the Jaguars stink. And they were like, I think three and seven at one point or something like that. Yep. They ripped off a bunch of wins, but 
you know, this team growing like this, adding Ridley, uh, the ceiling is the ceiling is the roof for uh, right. Trevor Lawrence. As Michael Jordan likes to say. A real quick question about their schedule: an advantage or a disadvantage that they're going to be sitting back and waiting for the Bills in a second consecutive London game? Oh, that's a good question. I think it is an advantage. Um, I th- I think it's starting to become a situation where the Jaguars are you know, the, the theory they've got the fans over there. I don't know how much that matters, but they are comfortable. Like if you've been going over to London this much and you haven't fine tuned the process right. for how you handle that from a sports science perspective and a time zone perspective and a travel perspective, then you're you're doing a bad job with it. Um, we've your team still screwed this up. I think the Jaguars being there helps them for sure. Well, when you look at the NFC, I love how you broke down the tiers. To me, in the NFC, there's basically three tiers. There's the 49ers and Eagles, Cowboys are tier two, and then there's everybody else from my perspective. How do you kind of see the NFC as a conference? Yeah, I mean, the 49ers, like the betting numbers are so wild. And we have no freaking clue who's good. like Brock Purdy. I, I know that Kyle Shanahan said he's like on on page or whatever. Yeah. We have no idea. If he, he had UCL surgery. I mean, I guess he's going to play. Um, Trey Lance apparently isn't. I'll tell you the MVP number that I think is oh like boy. sprinkle worth. I know. I know. CMC. You know, you, no. Wait. No. Yeah. No. No. Oh no. You're going to need to go way down the board. Sam Darnold. Yep. I do it. <laughs> So was is that the one you said? The I other know week? that that like I know you're like is this guy drunk? Maybe no, but um, you're not alone. <laughs> I mean, I am. I may. I'm. I'm having a cup of pack punch here. Um, no pack. Um, but like Kyle Shanahan, Sam Darnold was a top uh, top five pick, yep. right? He was a prolific passer in college. And the thing about a Kyle Shanahan offense is that it doesn't ask you to be a superhero. It doesn't ask you to make insane downfield throws into tight windows. It asks you to be an intelligent passer and to be a point guard. And if you correctly distribute the ball into the spot that Kyle wants you to in the flow of the offense, you are going to have easy looks to open receivers and playmakers. And they, by the way, like Brandon, I to lead the league in receiving is not a crazy bet either. They have Debo Samuel, Christopher McCaffrey, and, and George Kittle. Those are the three, three. Like they have unicorns at three skill, three different skill positions. Like you can't, you can't go in the draft and get Christian McCaffrey. It, like you just, there's, there's not another one. You can't go get George Kittle. There's not another guy who catches balls and blocks the way he does. He's the fulcrum for that offense because it sets up all the stuff. And um, I would encourage people to check out. Uh, play callers. Jordan Rodriguez is doing a, a podcast with that. It's coming out, I think, on July 10th for the Athletic, talking to Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. But like the the way that Kyle Shanahan's offense flows, and you heard the George Kittle quote about this. Like there's a Debo Samuel unicorn. If Sam Darnold, if Brock Purdy can't play, and Trey Lance, Sam Darnold beats out Trey Lance, and he plays 17 games, and he doesn't get hurt, and he's just a competent point guard. We saw what Jimmy Jimmy G did in this offense, like. He's like 150 to one to win MVP. I mean, weirder, weirder stuff has happened in the NFL. So let me ask you this. I want to tie in what you brought up with Trevor Lawrence, because you're absolutely right. Right. After one year, especially for a guy like Trevor Lawrence to punt on that season and be like, nah, he's he's washed. He's not going to be very good. It's, It's insane to me on a lesser level. 
Am I crazy looking around and going, all right, we have two seasons of Mac Jones. One, he was an adequate starting quarterback in in a decent offense with a normal offensive coordinator, right? And they won 10 games. They got to the playoffs. And then last year, he's in a terrible situation. Everybody's like, I sucks. This is off. Like he had a defense. Like it was an abysmal coaching staff. Why am I crazy for thinking that this Patriots team, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but looking at him and about what nearly two to one price to make the playoffs on a week to week basis, betting them on him. Why am I crazy to think that this team is going to be a lot more competent than people realize. I, I don't think you're crazy. I think it's like, I think I burnt last year by saying I'm not, I'm, I'm just not fading. Bill. I mean, it's pretty wild that bill Belichick is eight to one to win his division. Yeah. I mean, he won that division every year, except for like one for 20 straight years. Um, by the way, the, um, the Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator thing, I wish that, I mean, Twitter was around. I mean, I got Twitter, I guess it's no, I wish threads was around in 2000 <laughs> and, and and, and 11 and 12. Do y'all remember when Andy Reid decided to make Juan Castillo, his offensive line coach, his defensive coordinator? Yes. Like he, Jim Johnson died. Yep. Sean McDermott replaced him. The defense didn't live up to the Jim Johnson hype. Even though McDermott, obviously a very good defensive coordinator, very good coach. And so he was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to make my offensive line coach, my defensive coordinator, which is Andy Reid's one of the best coaches of all time. Idiot move. Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. He thought he, like, you can't make Matt Patricia, your offensive coordinator with Joe judge. It was an idiot move. And now you have a situation where maybe Bill O'Brien is not the greatest offensive coordinator, but Mac Jones and he worked together. He and Mac Jones worked together at Alabama when Bill O'Brien came in because Mac helped him learn the offense to get ready. It's going to be a much better offense. It just is. It has to be. So yeah, I think the Patriots are being underrated here. The fact that the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins could all be good, good teams is yep. the problem though. All right. Last 60 seconds with you. We'll get you out of here on this. The surprise team to look out for, not a division favorite. I'll say not even in the top two is is which team? Um, in any either conference, any team. Sorry, I, um, I mean, I guess you could say the Panthers would. Do the Panthers qualify? That sure. feels like yep. cheating. Okay, the Panthers would be my pick. I like. We talk about an Urban Meyer in the in the Jaguars. Yeah, like, dude, that rule was a disaster. <laughs> like a oh, disaster. Frank Reich, Jim Irsay, on the when he fired Frank Reich, he hired Jeff Saturday. He was bragging about Frank Reich's record. <laughs> like he's like, I mean, I'm just, Frank had a winning record here. It's like, yeah, no kidding, Jim. Why'd you fire him for Jeff Saturday? Frank Reich is a great coach. He's brought in a superstar coaching staff. Bryce Young will be good. Bunch of NC State guys on the offensive line. That defense could be sneaky. Panthers are a big time sleeper to me to win that division. Will, you're awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Hey. Anytime, guys. Take care. Thank Check you. out the quarterback tiers that Will wrote up over at CBS Sports at Will Brinson up on Twitter. Second hour, sharp money on the way. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.